Hello, and welcome to the NCA podcast. I'm Jill Annable, your host today. I'm the Senior Vice President of Programs here at NCEA, and it is an honor to be with our guests for today's episode on Catholic Social Responsibility. Thank you so much, Dr. Kathleen Sapelka, for joining us, and also Sue Nelson. They're joining us from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Thank you both for being here. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'd love for you each to um, begin by introducing yourself a little bit and telling us a little more about your ministry in Catholic education. Thank you, Jill. I'll start. Uh, again, my name is Sue Nelson, and my current role is Associate Superintendent for Curriculum Instruction and Assessment. Uh, I assumed this role in 2003. Prior to that, I was an intermediate grade teacher, a middle school math teacher, curriculum coordinator, and eventually a principal of a K-8 school. I'm Kathleen Sipkelker. I am finishing 12 years as superintendent of Catholic schools for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and 53 years of service in Catholic education, um, really at all levels from elementary school through uh, college and university teaching and administration. So uh, it's, it's really an honor to be here today and to uh, be working with Sue to present this uh, perspective on our Catholic Social Responsibility Project. And I don't want to miss the opportunity of saying that Dr. Spelka was um, an honoree of the 2013 John F. Myers Award from NCA. That's one of the President's Awards and a great honor. So, um, so thank you for that work. Thank you for all of your work as you close out this incredible ministry. And I feel as though this document is one of one of your final gifts to the church, uh, much beyond Milwaukee, because as soon as I read it, I knew that we were about to do something much bigger with it. And so I, I am so appreciative of this work. And, and actually, let's start by saying, um, before we even dive into the document, you know, where did it come from? And I know it's been a long journey because um, our communications were from um, prior leadership at NCA when interim president Kathy Mears was here. Um, and so where, if you could tell us a little background about um, this guidebook and its existence and where the idea came from, that would be great. Sure. Well, it actually started as an idea uh, raised by our principals shortly after the tragic murder of George Floyd two years ago. Uh, they expressed uncertainty about how to specifically deal with the issue of racism in our schools. And we have 101 schools, so it's a pretty big uh, expanse and a number of different types of schools. So we were concerned, and Sue has considerable background in uh, curriculum development. We both searched, she did most of it, uh, the country, to find out what was available around this specific at that time issue of racism uh, in terms of uh, Catholic perspective. And we pretty much came up with not much. <laughs> so uh, we decided that we would take this on uh, as an archdiocesan initiative. And Sue did the, did the work of organizing a task force during the course of the 2020-2021 school year that actually convened during the summer of 2021. Uh, that task force was rather small, made up of, I don't know, five to seven people, uh, all principals, 
or people who had expertise in a very practical way in our schools. And um, by the end of last summer, we had a document to present to our Archbishop, uh, Jerome Lestecki. It was uh, promulgated in October of 2021. And actually, I think it's important to say the document focuses not just on racism as a cultural challenge, but also on school culture, on civic participation for the common good or politics, and on uh, economics as uh, a commitment that we have. So uh, it was promulgated in October. We also released a video of the Archbishop and myself kind of giving a summary of it and urging people to use it. I think at this point, it's important to say that it is non-ideological. Uh, it is not political, it's apolitical, and it is thoroughly grounded in scripture, in church documents, and in Catholic social teachings, as well as the national standards and benchmarks for effective Catholic schools. Now, I wanna, I wanna dive in and say, when you were tackling this initial issue, you, you knew you needed to do work around racism, we were all at that time, I was an assistant superintendent in Grand Rapids, and we were all struggling with what to do and how to respond and how to be proactive and what to do with curriculum in particular, but in other ways, what were, all the things. And so I am appreciative. Once I saw the document, I, I want to give a little bit of an outline for those who haven't seen it and to, um, and to tell our listeners, you know, the simplest way to find this document for now is to go to um, just truly to search um, for Catholic Social Responsibility Milwaukee, and you will see the page where you can first see the video, which is beautiful. It's just about five minutes, and then full access to the document. Um, but when you open the document, it begins in these five guiding principles, Catholic social teaching and other church teaching that really grounds the work. From there, it very clearly states a theological response to contemporary challenges. And I appreciate that it yet you broadened your scope um, to that, so that the challenges listed are cultural challenges, racism, challenges for civic participation for the common good, and economic challenges. And by putting them into those sections, they are thorough. They're thoroughly done. From there, it aligns the work. That, that next section is that alignment to the national standards and benchmarks for effective Catholic schools, which is the document from NCA, but also aligns to your archdiocesan curriculum and archdiocesan policy. And, um, and again, as a thorough undertaking of that alignment, um, what blew me away, though, was the final section. Once you get to resources and references, the reference list there's no way you could have done this overnight because the reference list is thick and long. And when I got there, I thought we have a gem here in this document because it can't be reactive. It can't be just responsive when you have, um, this is the beauty of the church is that we have, we have, um, intellectual tradition. We have a Catholic worldview. We have all of this, um, and you use all of that gifts of history um, in this document. So I just, I applaud you for, for the deep work that happened there, um, which sparked from an idea that you saw as a much wider opportunity. Um, so I love that. What, what are some of the most important points you get to within the document? Um, or is there anything else you want to discuss about the development of this? And maybe I'll turn it over to Sue and you guys can bounce back and forth as much as you want to talk a little bit more about it. 
Sure, I'll stay with the development. As Kathleen mentioned, the impetus for the work was the racial tension really started the conversations, but that was followed up in pretty short order by issues around critical race theory and the elections. So we were dealing with so many things that went beyond the racial tensions that it became apparent that we needed to assist schools because if you recall that election cycle was pretty brutal and the polarization that exists in the communities, our schools are not immune to that. So principals were having to navigate this political polarization and all these other issues. And they were really struggling to, they wanted to make sure and be true to Catholic teachings and make sure they were saying the right things and they were guiding teachers appropriately because what started to happen with the best of intentions, for example, you can have a teacher that goes to Pinterest and finds a worksheet or say, you know, here, um, a white privilege walk. Yeah, that, that would really be meaningful for my suburban community and, and go into these activities and really find themselves in the weeds of issues. And that's something that we were starting to see. So when you say, well, the teachers should know what to say, they should know what the teachings are and they should be using materials that are appropriately vetted. That's fine to say, but then you have to be reflective and say, what is it that we are doing? to make sure they have it? Is it really their job to find it or is it our job to provide it? And we knew we had a lot of materials in place. We were totally confident. Everything we do in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee is aligned to the national standards and benchmarks. So we knew that our policies lined up. We knew that we could allude to that in, in great confidence. And we also knew that in the curriculum development, we had always had a very intentional focus on Catholic social teachings. So we knew within our curriculum documents, we had what the teachers needed, but none of this was arranged in a way that was had easy access and would be at the fingertips of administrators and teachers. So rather than saying they should know, <laughs> we took the stance, we should help them. I, that's so well summarized. I think another point that we should make at the outset is one that we made with our, our principals at the outset, and that is what this is not. It is not a set of lesson plans. It is not a how-to manual. It is a framework. And that's why the guiding principles, the five of them, are so critical. And uh, I know we'll talk about this a little bit later, but yesterday we once again, and this was the third time we had principles in front of us and actually continued the unpacking of those guiding principles with them so that they would, they would have a, a sense that this, this is what they should be doing with their faculties uh, in terms of forming consciences, forming intellects, and really forming their, their, their dispositions as well. And that work isn't easy. I think, you know, the secular right. society is telling us quick fixes. We just fix this. We just, or we walk away. Whereas Catholics, we, we reconcile and we restore and we contemplate and we pray. And it's a lot longer discernment process as we grow in our understanding of things, which is, um, which is countercultural and difficult to do because the work <laughs> of being a Christian is, is hard and long and, and filled with companionship and, um, and working together for things. So this is, this is incredible. Um, so how you're talking about being with, um, school leadership at least three times, you know, when you pick up the document and I have this experience in reading encyclicals with teachers or even, uh, the most recent document coming out of Rome, it, it, it takes a while to unpack and, um, it's not a to-do list. Like you said, it's not a to-do list and it's not a, 
step-by-step procedure document. So how have you used the document um, with faculties? How is it furthering this dialogue um, since it's not a once and done process? Well, we are developing tools that will accompany the document. And just yesterday, we shared two more uh, that are now posted on our uh, archdiocesan, or soon will be probably within the hour or so, uh, two tools, including a set of guiding questions that principals can use to examine deeply those four challenges with their faculties and their staffs. So we are, we are in the process of walking with them to ensure that they are doing that tough work, as you said, Jill, of uh, owning, of internalizing these, these solid uh, principles. That's great. What do you um, anticipate that work ahead to be like? Um, I, I would imagine if you're still developing tools and you're still moving it forward, um, what do you have coming up? Well, I think one of the things that we found when we started polling our principles, if you will, kind of mid-year, because it's always difficult when you publish something like this, if you just let it be or just hand it out, it has no traction. So we really have to make sure that we continue the momentum. One of the things that we noticed, I'll just backtrack to your previous question, we found ourselves gathering rather than creating, which was very validating, I have to say, especially as a curriculum director, you know, you're, we didn't have to create things. We had to organize things, but we didn't have to create things. So from my perspective um, to your question, one of the things that I found immediately in working with schools was that they had totally embraced the Catholic uh, social teachings, not just at this point in time, but had previously done work with those. So there was a very um, intentional integration of Catholic social teachings. So when we would ask our principals, how are you using the guidebook at the, at the point mid-year when they'd had it for a semester, the response was 90% was of the time framed around what they were doing with the intentionality of the Catholic social teachings, which is great. But we also then saw, as Kathleen said, we, are, we have the guiding principles and we had really gone into those, but the, the four themes, it seemed like their use of the document initially was very much focused on Catholic social teaching. So it didn't look at the scope of the document as it was intended. So that really kind of focused us then in on, on Kathleen's processing that she did yesterday of, okay, now that we know that there are guiding principles, there are also some important themes. Why these themes and how were they developed? Uh, we also asked the principals at this meeting, what do you plan to do or what have you done to further the work? And we got some really great insights. Um, a couple schools mentioned creating a covenant, which was really intriguing, where they would uh, take the themes and come up with statements that we live by in the school, teachers will, parents will, students will, type of statements. And another school was doing that work, but tying it directly to the core values of the school. So we're literally taking the school's core values and aligning and putting those in student-friendly language, rewording those into a one-sentence clarification, and then aligning those to the work from the Catholic Social Responsibility Guidebook themes. So we were very pleased to hear that. We had another idea. Uh, we do something called sustaining the mission for our faith formation for our teachers. And we have a level three within that program, which means these are teachers who've gone through those foundational courses in their Catholic faith and they're ready to 
be more independent in their learning um, and using this document with those folks in level three and having them process it and having them be the ones to lead the rest of the faculty in those in those areas came up. So we were very excited to see that there's much thought has gone into what will happen next. So we'll be excited to see what that looks like. That's great. This is, um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm curious, uh, anyone who's had system leadership knows that some schools are always really engaged in the work and other schools are not. And so I'm wondering, how have you brought along, you have many schools, how have you brought them along into this process? And how are you um, coaxing and supporting those who haven't been at the forefront of this conversation with you? Well, we haven't brought them all along yet. Uh, we wish we had, but we recognize with this, you know, great span of schools that you <laughs> you always have the quick takers, right? The people who are who are eager to dive in and and integrate. But as Sue said, this was rolled out really in October. Uh, in the aftermath of COVID and all sorts of other concerns. So we're really getting serious about this for next year. And uh, one of the commitments that our team has made is that at each deanery meeting, now a deanery is a kind of regional meeting of uh, principals modeled on the, the regional meetings of pastors, that at each monthly regional meeting, or deanery meeting, the associate who is overseeing that deanery will uh, kind of start a little discussion to see what is happening with that in the schools of that deanery. Um, I also am uh, making myself available to uh, serve as a facilitator in schools where that would be desirable. Uh, no requirement, of course, but uh, as you said, Jill, this, this is really a very, um, uh, it, it's, a, it's a graced gift, really, to be able to leave with this as a, um, as a commitment. And um, I really do want to continue that if it's useful. And I, would, I have the benefit during our leadership day of being in the back of the room while Kathleen was presenting. And to your point, the early adopters, you know, the real trailblazers in all of this, by doing the activity that she did where people could share out what is your plan or what, what could happen. You, those are the people who stand up. Those are the people who share what they're doing. And you can see the rest of the principals. I could, I could observe them writing and saying, that's a good idea. So, so having that communication and doing this together with all of our principals really helps to bring the trailblazers as the models. And then other principals can start to hear what's going on and I do work with a number of schools, as Kathleen said, in deaneries, and we make, make, we make it a topic. Another thing that we're going to be doing, we do something at the end of the year with all of our schools called a School Improvement Planning Day, where we really start to take a look at what their goals are in the process of school improvement. And my focus on that generally is the academic piece of it. But this year, we're going to have an outline and we're going to work together for school teams, they come as teams, for school teams to take the topic of the Catholic Social Responsibility Guidebook. And while we're together, literally develop their SMART goal and their agenda, you know, their timeline and, and really, really nail down. We're not just going to talk about it, but really get specific about how what that's going to look like. So we're very hopeful that by having that intentional 
collaborative process that they will leave and they will have something to work from. And then as associates, uh, we can have something to work from with them as well because we can follow up with them and support them and what that's looking like. So I'm, I'm pretty encouraged. Uh, they know it's a priority. So <laughs> there's no doubt in their minds that it needs to be addressed. There's always that. Um, and they also are accredited through the national standards and benchmarks. Those are the benchmarks we use for accreditation. And they know their call to responsibility in this area as well. Yeah, and you know, um, <clears throat> there's a word on our website about it that really is not accurate. Uh, the people who did the summary on the website or for the website called it a program. It really is not a program. It is a way of thinking. It's a framework. It's a formation and uh, direction for our schools, uh, not a uh, kind of checklist item that they will need to be in compliance with or not meet certain expectations. Uh, it's really spiritual formation for them and for their students. And that is a more accurate description than uh, terming it a program, if that makes sense. That does make a lot of sense because again, people want quick answers. Yes. So step one, two, three, and that's, that's not who we are. Um, and yeah, our, uh, uh, what we have is much more complex than that. And our call in this world is much more complex than, than a checklist. So that's, that makes a lot of sense with that. Um, now, as our listeners begin to look at the document and they're listening to you here, it's, you know, this age old question. And I think about this a lot in curriculum development, but I think it also applies to this document. And that is that sometimes our actions are about the process of creating and doing and the conversations that come of that. And other times it's about, the product that's created, in this case, the document. So I'm wondering now that you're um, far into this formation and you're beginning to see what you need to do ahead of this, how might other dioceses or individual schools um, engage in a similar process or how might they directly use the document? Um, just curious your insight there because it's always um, difficult to decide, do I, do I just, um, adopt this document where I lead or do I adapt it for my needs? Um, so any insight you have there would be very helpful. I think I'll start, Jill. I'm, I'm not a fan of adopting the work of another group. Um, and the reason I say that is because in my experience, and I can relate this back to the creation of our teacher effectiveness framework, which I worked on with Lorraine Ozar, uh, when we presented that framework at NCEA, the natural question was, oh, can you share that? And my answer is always, what we did in Milwaukee was a result of two years of involving constituents and really looking very intentionally at every word and what are the needs of our diocese. So while I think the framework of that document will be beneficial to you because we did do the work of aligning everything to the standards and benchmarks, the actual content of the document has to be developed locally in order for it to have meaning. The same thing I think is true in this regard. We really knew, as I mentioned earlier, we had a lot of things in place, but what we have in place won't be what another diocese has in place. So uh, I think to say, well, and then we'll just put our curriculum documents at the end because that's what Milwaukee did. I don't know what a, what a diocese has, or what parts of that they may want to, to bring out to 
include. So there are questions along those lines that I have. So I'm not really thinking this is something that you can just say, we'll just use this. Certainly to your point, the research and the, re the resources and the references in there, there would be no purpose in having a group do that again. And that was, that was a lot of work and it's well done. So there, there'd be no reason to do that again. But what we really had to consider is what do we already have in place before we even gather the group? What do we have? Um, another question that we have is, which is why we had the people in the room that we did. Uh, Kathleen can speak to that a little bit more as far as the, the formation of the task force, who was there and why. But we knew right out of the gate, we were writing a document for schools. So another diocese might be writing a document collaboration for parish school. I don't know what the dynamic is. We were writing at the time a document for our schools. And so we needed people in the room who were, who were living the reality of what this looks like in their schools and their classrooms. Um, another question, what needs are you trying to meet? We very specifically knew what the vision of the document was because we decided what the needs were that we were trying to meet. As Kathleen said, what it is and what it isn't is a pretty important conversation. The answer for us might be, not be the answer for someone else. Um, who needs to be at the table, as I say, I think is a pretty important conversation because the way the document ended up looking was in a large part formed by the people in the room telling us what they needed. So. I would think another diocese would really want to make sure that's foundational before they embark on any additional work. I think that the guiding principles are universal and that they could be uh, used across any school system anywhere. If, if, if people seriously want them as formative for their people, uh, the second part, the, the key issues of culture, uh, racism, um, uh, politics or civic participation and economics might be only a few of the uh, themes that a diocese would want to address. But if, if, these are, if, if these are relevant themes for them, I do think that is universal as well. But as Sue said, and, and the bibliography is incredible. One of our teachers actually was on the committee and owned that. He, he well, you can tell it's uh, scholarly beyond description and so solid. Um, as far as the end part is concerned, the last section or sections, that really, I think, um, would be diocesan specific, as Sue mentioned. So. I think there are parts of this could be that if if people understand what it is and what it isn't could be could be taken in um, and used as is, but they do need to understand that it is not a put this in the hands of teachers and they'll know what to say on the twelfth of February um, in a fourth grade classroom necessarily. You know, it's not a. It's not a, uh, as I said before, a how-to manual. That's great. And I, I'm seeing, you know, two takeaways for our readers if they're not sure where to begin. The first I'm thinking about is reading it and reading it with some school leaders or system leaders so that you can start to sort out 
what right. about this applies here? And what about this doesn't apply here? And, and how might this um, add to our body of work here in our diocese or at our school? And so really doing that as a, as a read together, I think is a great next step. And then the additional next step um, is marking their calendar for June 1st. So I'm so grateful that in um, your leadership in Milwaukee, you agreed to give us some time on the afternoon of June 1st for a virtual workshop so that anyone who wants to dive into this document with you, um, and perhaps that's similar to the ways you've been diving into it with your principals. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you have in store for that time. Um, but all are welcome to join on June 1st and that registration link is on the NCEA website. Um, so it's June 1st, it will be 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, which for you all in Milwaukee is 12 to 3 Central time. Um, but it, could you tell us a little bit more about what you plan to do with that time, knowing that you have some time? So I know you probably don't have the detailed agenda yet. Well, I think I can. Um, I think having done this now a number of times, I think we will spend some time unpacking those guiding principles and also uh, sharing the uh, guiding questions and challenging principles or those who are participating, I should say, because I'm sure the group will be broader than just principles, uh, allowing the uh, participants to be challenged by the guiding questions that we've prepared for the four topics. We would also like to have participants think about the ways in which those four component parts, as well as the guiding principles would be useful for their schools. So those are, I think, pretty practical applications of this that will be developed and they will be led through on uh, June 1st. I think they will also be uh, acquainted with or become acquainted with the last part which is the ways in which our particular document is aligned to our archdiocesan policies and curriculum. But we also don't want to get too caught up in that because that is ours and it would not be relevant. And we really don't want to use participants' time that day uh, in a way that would not be immediately, immediately meaningful to them. But I'm hoping that participants would come away with some very practical ways in which the document, particularly the guiding principles, could be useful as reflection exercises for their faculties and staffs, and also ways in which those components, those cultural challenges, could be uh, uh, probed further and uh, made meaningful to their groups as well. That's great. Thank you for um, that overview and for giving us a glimpse into what we have in store for us on June 1st. I would love to close um, first in gratitude for your time and for all this work and your ability to share it out more widely than your archdiocese is such a gift to the rest of us. So thank you for all of that sharing. Um, but I'm also wondering if you have any final thoughts, final things you wish we talked about or you wanted to share with us today. I think we cover, I'm happy with what we covered. I believe you hit on the same points as far as our thinking. And when we were looking at the questions in advance, we felt like this was a pretty good overview of, of our work. I would just say that the reward, you know, there's a risk reward in something like this. Uh, when we started the work, <laughs> it was risky. It felt risky because we knew we were entering into territory that was really had a lot of landmines for our folks. And there was a lot of pressure to make sure that whatever we created could pass any level of scrutiny. 
we did not in any way want to have our leaders or our teachers with things in hand or a lack of things in hand that would put them at a disadvantage. We need our, our leaders and our teachers to be leaders of the faith and they need to know what to say and they need to believe what they say and they need they just need that that foundation. So I think in times of stress, you mentioned it earlier, being proactive rather than reactive. In many ways, the document was reactive, but we're hoping now as we move forward that it can be framed as a proactive approach to these issues. I would just add two things. Uh, one is that the document was approved, read thoroughly and approved by all three of our bishops in the archdiocese, our ordinary and um, the two associate uh, bishops or uh, auxiliary bishops, I should say. And also that the, the kind of the synopsis of the whole piece is the essence of Catholic schooling as the integration of faith, culture, and life. And that is the theme put into just those few words that synopsize, synopsizes um, all of it. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm so grateful for your work. Um, thank you to our listeners who um, have appreciation for this work as well, and also curiosity about how they can use it for their own processes um, back home in their schools and dioceses. Um, and also a, a big thank you to today's episode sponsor, our Sunday visitor, who continues to support Catholic schools and catechesis um, throughout the country. We're grateful for that sponsorship and uh, we're grateful for your time. So we will see you soon in Milwaukee. So thank you for all of your work and have a great day. Thank, thank you, Jill. Jill.